Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of The Foul Life. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. We're so fired up about some of the new partners we have coming on board. We're getting a lot of excitement, a lot of momentum, a lot of snowball effect built around the podcast. A lot of people are getting their content through it. We're getting a lot of DMs and private messages on guests and topics and diversity and topics and themes that y'all want to check out and want us to touch on. So we're going to keep bringing it to you guys today's episode of The Foul Life is brought to you by our friends at the Outdoor Sportsman's Group, the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman's Channel, all of the magazines that us as hunters love to read, Guns and Ammo and Peterson's Hunting and Gun Dog and Wildfowl, you name it, these guys got it covered. And on top of that, we also have Mo TV in the mix, My Outdoor TV. Check out that app right now for all of your content, all of your favorite producers, including Waddell, Munt, T-Bone, Shockey, Lee and Tiffany, Pat and Nicole, you name it, they're on there and they're going to bring you hours and hours of awesome hunting, fishing, conservation content at your fingertips. My Outdoor TV. So please support the Outdoor Sportsman's Group. Check out the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman's Channel, the World Fishing Network and all of their magazines. Today's guest is the publisher of Wildfowl Magazine, the publisher of Gundog Magazine, the publisher of North American Whitetail Magazine. His name is Layden Force. He's a young buck in the industry, but he's making waves every day. He's got the right vision. He's a pleasure to work with. And today I wanted you all to meet this guy and understand some of the initiatives he's working on to keep bringing great content in different formats from website and digital to his magazines. Layden, welcome, my brother. Uh, thank you, Chad. I appreciate it. It's a, a real privilege to be on this with uh, with you. And thanks for you know calling out all the great uh, benefits and offerings that outdoor sportsman groups offer uh, offers to you know your followers and just the general outdoor and hunting audience. Heck yeah, buddy! I'm a I've been a big fan of Wildfowl, and I'm sure most duck hunters that tune into our content are they feel the same. And and it's 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 kind of it's kind of one of those things to where. You 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 hear a lot of rumblings in the past maybe sixty months of well newspapers are going out of business and people don't read magazines anymore and there's so much content at our fingertips on these little four inch smartphones that have destroyed our lives in a lot of ways that like you just think, you look at it and you're like oh god man but you know what I mean it's like you go into an airport and you go into a bookstore and there's tons of magazines and there and but then you hear that some have gone out of business and some are struggling is there still readership is there still a reason to pick up a magazine is there still a reason for an, a, a brand or an advert a potential advertiser to take out a half page or a quarter page or a full page ad or even a two-page spread i mean talk to me Layden. is it still worth being part of the magazine world for sure, man. Uh, for sure. And it, it, man, that's a, it's a big question. It's one we get asked often, um, here because, you know, we, we, in a lot of ways, fortunately and unfortunately are seen as, as a legacy publication, um, which, you know, you and I've talked recently, and I will probably talk some about it today is, is, uh, I guess you could say a perception that we're kind of trying to, um, be very respectful of, but work out of at the same time and, and be perceived as a brand, not just a publication, but, yeah, man, magazines um, are still alive. Uh, that's the question we get so often. And, and you say, well, how are they still alive? Well, you know, at Wildfowl, we have 42,000 readers in our circulation and um, about the same at Gundog. At North American Whitetail, we're at 111,000 and um, we're holding strong. Um, actually, this year and a lot of it because of what's going on around us environmentally, um, we're seeing our sub rates skyrocket um, right now, uh, which we're excited about. And that's part of what we're doing as a brand in, in regards to how we now approach the marketplace at each of those brands. But, um, 
The marketplace is there for magazines. Um, is it needed? I think so. Um, that's a bigger question to probably dive into as, as a manufacturer or, or a media buyer, somebody looking to advertise. And, and there's a, probably a lot more of a dynamic to, hey, do I need a, a two-page uh, spread or do I need a full-page ad or a half-page ad? And how many of them? And is it worth my time or my investment, more importantly? Um, and what does it do for me? Uh, which, is, which is really the, the big question for marketing in general. What does it do for me? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Hey, I'm biased, but magazines are alive, man. They are alive. So, um, to answer your question, I, your direct question or part of your question there, uh, I was talking just about advertising and, and, um, you know, is it important to drop a two page spread in a magazine or a full page, uh, ad in a magazine and, and how many and why, and, um, you know, the big question there, which is probably what we'll dive into a little bit more today is, um, what does it do for your business and how does it help you? And um, I think that that's probably a question that not only applies to magazines, but uh, any type of advertising media that you can purchase as a business. And that could be, you know, uh, social ads at this point in time, um, your, your Google ad, Google Word ads, it could be anything uh, right up to advertisements on a podcast. And just really understanding from a business management standpoint, what those opportunities offer you. Um, but it, it, can a magazine help you? Yeah, it can. Yeah. And I, th I think that the way that I would look at that Layden, is, you know, I, like we, we, we have brands that we place ads in, in, in different formats, like you're saying in magazines and TV, we have advertisements going digitally. We have Facebook, we have Instagram ads. There's so mm -hmm. many different forms of advertising now. I mean, you could, you could sponsor the UFC and have your logo on the, on the, on the octagon, right? If you want, there's all right. different kinds. So if I go into an Instagram ad and I put it out there and I promote a post, I'm just hoping that the people that follow me or the people that are analytically connected to me have a interest enough to try and what we want to call move the needle and moving the needle is everything. So if you think about 45,000 people that pay to have this magazine delivered to their house every month. That means that they're interested in that magazine. They're not just paying that so they can get that magazine and then go throw it in the fire pit to start a, right. to start a fire. They have a lot of other means to start a fire. A TV guy is not going to pay for the outdoor channel or girl is not going to pay for the outdoor channel and not utilize that, that station and that network to find the content that they're seeking, right? They are enthusiasts. Right. They are enthusiasts. So people that are 45,000 deep into wildfowl, that's pretty good odds that they're going to be interested in seeing something that pertains to that lifestyle of the American, the Canadian, the duck hunter across this country and other countries, the goose hunter. So if we take out a two page spread ad for let's say jargon or the foul life to advertise the upcoming season or whatever, then we're, we're banking on the people that are seeing it are very interested in that content and the chances of a need needle being moved are great. Plus the credibility it adds to your brand to be in the magazine when people see it mixed with the other avenues that we are advertising in. So we're covering a basis. We're being strategic with it to say, all right, we want to catch the, the public, the, the reader's eye when they flip that page, how are we going to get them to stop on that ad? Well, if it's in wildfowl, first you got that knocked out. You're not just guessing mm -hmm. that they might be interested in the ad. And then you kind of strategically place them. Is it the August gear issue? Is it during the fall when they're really engaged? You know, when do you really try to get them. And, and I think that that's kind of where you're going with that statement is why would we do it? That's why we would do it is that that is mm -hmm. an enthusiastic audience that has a potential more so in my opinion than a social media audience that we're just grasping at in my, in a lot of ways. I think it's a more engaged, a more focused audience. Would that be fair to say in your opinion? 
Yeah, it'd be very fair. And I, I, you hit two key words there. One, you said enthusiast and two, you said paid. And um, that's something that, you know, we, we try to, when we're sitting down and counseling one of our advertising partners on, on uh, buying media within the books of pages, we try to always call out that with the magazines, we have to understand that these guys are, or gals for that matter, are enthusiastic participants that are making a choice to pay uh, to buy a single issue or pay to, to buy a single sub, or a subscription, an annual subscription. And, you know, when you look across that, you say, oh, well, you know, I, I pay Dish or I pay Sling or I pay Direct or I pay YouTube TV. Um, yeah, but it's not just for the outdoor channel or not just for uh, the Sportsman's Channel in a lot of cases. You're getting A&E and you're getting Bravo and you're getting ESPN and, and everything else that comes with this. Um, these folks that are reading our magazine are making a conscious decision to solely go pick out the brand of Wildfowl or Gundog, North American Whitetail or Guns and Ammo and uh, follow that magazine. And to your point, they're enthusiasts. They pay attention. Um, you know, we, we break down our demographics uh, very well. We do third-party reader surveys with that delivery quite often. And it tells us the kind of reader that we have in each of those publications. And oftentimes, average, whole, average household incomes up. So it tells us that they have the disposable income to be able to invest in things like duck boats or outboards or shotguns, um, you know, an A400 or whatever it might be that somebody's running that is, is not just a $5 purchase at your local um, duck hunting shop you know, a uh, pro shop, you know, a Rogers or a Presley's, um, something along those lines. So, so yeah, it, again, you're, you're right in the fact that you feel like it's going to move the needle and, and, you know, going back to what we kind of started to dig into there, it's, you know, moving the needle can be different in a lot of different ways. Even for the same company, it can be different. You know, one year, your goal may be brand awareness and, uh, or let's say 75% brand awareness. Cause you're really trying to make a mark, um, um, in the marketplace for, or a statement in the marketplace, um, for what your brand is and and uh, what it stands for, um, whereas you know the other twenty five percent of your your marketing budget or allocation is being um, allocated to to actually trying to drive sales. So you're going to have different purposes with that marketing budget or that spend, and and moving the needle can mean different things. So it, you know you really have to understand as a marketer what it means to you when you go out and spend marketing dollars and and you know whether it be a publication or an Instagram ad or whatever it might be. And where, where do you, when you start talking about magazines specifically and you're the publisher and you have guidelines that you send out, you know, this is the sizing, this is the, this is kind of the layout, the format, all of this kind of stuff. Is it pretty much, um, that's it. Like that is what you are going to give an advertiser. And then it's kind of in their creative hands. And then obviously when, once you get the ads and you're going through that ad and you're like, you don't make the decision on whether or not that potentially will move a needle for an advertiser or a brand, but you're saying things such as, is it, is it clean? Is it ethical enough to go into the magazine? Is it, is it, is there a quality standard? Meaning can just any Joe Blow go and do a stick a stick person and put it in there just to have an ad in Wildfowl? And I understand that that question's two-sided because why would somebody do that? But you you when you go and you look at the variations in ads and, and, and try to figure out what, what are they marketing here? Where is their mind at? Why is that whole page white with just one little speck on it? And you start to think about it. So my point in asking that question is, do you prohibit any kind of things coming in as far as creativity because one of my favorite things to do in, in print ad 
that's different than a moving commercial, say like a 30 second commercial. And those are, and that's a whole different conversation of breaking those down. But I like to break down the ads and figure out what message are you trying to get to the consumer? What, how crafty are you being? How witty and clever are you being? But craftsmanship and print ads is everything. And some people get it and some people don't. So do you have, do you give hints or do you just let them kind of give you what they're going to give you? Yeah, I, I would like to say that we're, you know, we try to be uh, a consultant for, for all of our advertising partners because we're that and we, we are partners. And, um, you know, not only are we concerned about um, our business, which is, you know, very easy to do as the owner of this medium, but we're concerned about their business too. Um, and we're consumed, we're concerned about how the consumer or the reader views that, that ad um, or that marketing message. Um, because, uh, you know, a couple different dynamics. One, if, if the advertisers aren't there, there's pretty good chance it's hard for us to be there. Two, we want to make sure that, you know, we're being respectful of our, our consumers so that they are our readers so that they come back in years forward. And um, do we have a, a level of or a stated, um, I, I would say, benchmark of ethics, not spoken or not in, in writing? But, you know, I, I've been here uh, as the publisher at, at Wildfowl for, uh, wow, 18 months now. Um, it's going pretty quick. Seems like it was just yesterday. But, um, in the first three months, you know, I, I had some ethical battles where I was tested with some advertising, you know, and, and let, let's face it to your point, marketing is about standing out in your segment, wherever it is you want to, you want to make people go, Oh, wait a second. Why have I not seen that? Or what's interesting about that? Well, wow, that is interesting. I need that. I feel like I need to know more about it. That's the whole point of marketing. You want to, you want to pull somebody's eye into what you're doing and you want to catch their mind. You want to, you want them to spend a little more time with you. And I mean, we're in the same game. And we'll talk about that probably at some point too today, but we're trying to get as much time of that in consumer as possible, whether it be in the publication of Wildfowl, on our website at Wildfowl, on our Instagram, um, any YouTube videos we might be doing. We want them to spend as much time as possible with us and because that's our game. That's our business. Um, but going back to ethics, you know, I got, I got tested right out of the gate. I know that 80% of our reader base is in, uh, lies in the, the Bible Belt. So they have a certain ethical standard probably. Um, their grandfathers, their fathers, they they hopefully are handing that magazine over to their grandchildren or children when when it comes in the door um, or at night or before they're going on a big duck hunt in the morning and they're saying, here, grandson or here, son, uh, check this out. You know, see what Skip Knowles is saying this week. Um, maybe someday we'll go hunt a king eider in Alaska. Um, check out this cool article. Um, so we had, I got tested right out of the gate. We had somebody drop in an ad that they were really trying to stand out with and drop some colorful language in and I just said, Hey, I, I understand what you're doing. I respect it, but unfortunately we, we can't allow that. And, um, you know, do understand that though, this is your ad and you're, and you're paying for the opportunity to, to just, you know, to place it there in our magazine on that page space. Um, the, the reader is probably going to say that it's probably, I, I guess they perceive that as wildfowl saying that's okay. You know, they perceive that as wildfowl making that statement. And that that's not us. And I know it's your message, but you know, hopefully we can respectfully come to agree an agreement here to kind of evolve that ad. So I, I, I just use that as an example. Yes, we we try to not only be consultative from a positive standpoint, um, but also you know all, from a negative a, uh, aspect too. And it doesn't happen all the time. The intentions were good in that situation as well. But we have to work together with our partners, um, our advertising partners, to make sure that we can add in our advice on, on what could be most beneficial for them and our segment and our audience, because we know our audience really well. So um, we know we want our partners to succeed. We want them to have a good ad. 
So knowing your audience that well, Layden, do you ever come across ethical challenges when it comes to the animal? Do you see certain words that trigger you of like, man, that shouldn't be said about an animal, or that's a little bit too raw, raw on, on, on killing. And do you ever get stuck making that judgment or that decision? Like we are hunters and we don't apologize <laughs> for killing. But there is a certain aspect of respecting the resource. Have you ever come across an ad where you're like, whoa, man, that's, that's just a little bit too close to making the animal feel like they're just a target or something like that? For sure. For sure, man. And I, and I think, you know, that's a battle for all of us, just not only as, you know, businessmen in the industry of, of the outdoors, but also as participants. You know, we always want to make sure that we're portraying or painting a good image for, for um, our group you know, for, for our demographic in, in mainstream media. And, and there's a lot of things that we probably don't necessarily have to, to apologize about. We don't have to apologize about being hunters. Um, but I think we can definitely be classy in how we present ourselves. And, and it can really, you know, it, it, kind of falling back on the golden rule. And though it, that's a, a big kind of cliche statement to make or, or pull into this smaller conversation, you really have to think about the opportunity that being classy, um, um, in an advertisement or in our delivery or in a, f- a photo that we place in our magazine, what opportunities that might allow us to, to bring a new member into um, our segment, right? Um, if we have some, some colorful photo that really doesn't portray the animal for what it's worth or respect the, the bird, um, it, can, it can cause an issue for us. And we may never get a chance to explain ourselves to somebody that's an adult or potential adult onset hunter. Um, that, that could be a future reader. So I think that, you know, we all kind of inside know that line. And sometimes we don't, you know, we can all get frustrated as hunters or manufacturers in the industry and say, man, I, I hate the fact that somebody's painting me in that corner. Um, and that I can't just say, yeah, there's blood in duck hunting. Um, or yeah, you know, I took this photo because it, it made me happy and maybe it doesn't look as classy as it needs to, but it was a moment in time that I'm going to remember because that was my first pintail. Um, whatever it might be, but I think we just have to be mindful. And as a, as a magazine, um, as a brand in the media business, we definitely have to be mindful of that. We have to pay attention to, to what's going into our book or going onto our IG feed. Um, always have to be paying attention. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest things about print media is how do you make it an, an experience for the reader, the potential in consumer, the enthusiast. And I think that I'm all about the experience. And when I, when I, when I open a magazine cover, obviously you start with the cover. That's the, that's an important part of an issue. And there's certain photographers out there that have had a pretty good run, the Lee Joses and, and the Buckleys and the, and the guys that have had a really good run at getting that, um, that curiosity going they're getting that engagement they're they're pulling at those strings that make somebody go pick that up and go man that's that's legit so you as far as an experience goes you want to have that feeling of like am i missing something kind of deal when i have the fear of missing out kind of um attitude at duck camp or anywhere in life like man i got to get there because i'm going to miss something and obviously we got to pump the brakes once in a while but two-sided on that feeling with magazines is one the credibility of being in a magazine is altered if the magazine doesn't have those guidelines and those standards so i feel like if i'm not as a brand in a duck call company or a tv show or bandit or whatever you know, we're missing out if we're not in that gear issue in August. We're missing out if we're not strategically placed throughout the year in Wildfowl and Gun Dog. Um, and, and I get that. Man, I, we got to be in there. Why aren't we in here? Look at all these iconic brands that are in here. They're in here for a reason, right? You don't just want to. You don't just want to be in there to be in there. You want to be strategic about it, and you want your ad to do some justice. But I, I, I often feel that that as a brand, you're you're going to get that that feeling of man something 
is telling me I have to be in this magazine. And that's up to the magazine to get a brand or a potential ad buyer to feel that way. So the magazine has to be an experience. So when I'm going through duck camp and I'm going from the kitchen to a, at a lodge to my bedroom, to the sitting room, to the TV room, to the mud room, to the boat, to the trees, to the duck blind, all of those are different turns of that page, right? So I look at wildfowl as something that takes me through an experience. Like the flow of the magazine is important to me. And I think that that's important to any reader of like, you know, don't jump from, you know, like there's like a common theme and a common flow of it. And I think that with all of that going on and you're going through that magazine as an experience and you see those ads of a, like, here's a great article. And then all of a sudden you turn the page and there's a great, clever, witty ad that shows respect to the resource. Now you kind of have all of that coming together. That's gelling together. The, 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 the vision of the magazine to have a flow and an experience, the vision of the advertiser, the vision of the creative team, the vision of the designers of these ads and stuff. And that makes it an experience to watch. So I think it's more of like a cohesiveness of a bunch of people working together. And I think that that's what your job is, is to get that magazine laid out as an experience playboy. And I, I'm not being like a, a dumbass about that, but Hugh Hefner built an experience for the reader. He had period, he had editorials, he had the forums, he had layouts, he had the centerfold, he had tips and tactics, he had movie reviews and every page you turned, you were engulfed in it, right? Men's health might do that for the workout or the, 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 the health enthusiast. So it's got to be an experience. Is that safe That's, to say? Yeah, oh, 100%, man. You, you hit the nail on the head right there. And it, it does have to be an experience. And we look, we look a lot at that now. It's probably more pivotal for us or imperative for us now as it, within the magazine portion of our delivery as a brand that it is the best experience possible for our readers or for our audience members because there is so much question around magazines and publications and whether or not they're worth the, the investment or whether or not they're even alive anymore. And, um, you know, we're, we're going through some big shifts in the media market. You know that. I mean, you're, you're a participant in the media market. You've got a TV show. You've got a manufacturing brand. You're marketing both. You know, you're, you're uh, marketing on behalf of, <clears throat> excuse me, advertisers with your TV show and your podcast. Um, you can understand that. And there, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, gray area right now in people trying to decide what <clears throat> what is the future of media and where do I need to be if I'm paying uh, for advertising. So there needs to be an experience there. And that is one of that has been one of our biggest goals in the last 18 months is, hey, no matter what we're doing, we're trying to create an experience. We're trying to teach and share, not tell. I don't, I, we don't want to come across as, you know, the, the boastful expert. No, that's not us, you know, and, and we need to dig in and we really need to understand our audience. And for us too, you know, we've got kind of what I would call a traditional media resource. And I think a lot of people refer to magazines as traditional media resources um, that, you know, for the next two generations that will come into our purchase funnel in the outdoor industry, the, you know, the, the millennials and the Gen Zers, they, most of them aren't even familiar with magazines unless they were lucky enough to grow up in a home or, or with a mentor like, like I did. You know, every time I walked into grandpa's house, Peterson's hunting was sitting on, on the coffee table, you know, and, and I had that opportunity. So I grew up with them. I was familiar with them. There's a lot of folks right now, my little focus group uh, of buddies here that we have big group texts going around home here in Northeast Missouri. There's 12 or 13 of us and every single one of them are 38-ish to 28-ish and uh, diehard hunters. They're starting families, they're businessmen, they're entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I, I use them all the time to ask, you know, what, what, should, what do you guys think of this? What should we be doing? What are, what are your thoughts? Is this silly? Is this, and uh, because it's a good mix of, of how we're going to have to shape our brand for the future, but getting back to the root of your question, 
Um, we have to make it an experience. We have to really touch the heartstrings. You know, even if it's just a gear review, you know, Skip and I were talking about this yesterday, um, talking about how we could evolve our guns and loads section or department within the magazine. And it's always been kind of a, a story of, of a new, or not maybe not a new brand, but a new product that a legacy brand has and why you need to focus on it. I said, Skip, we need to bring our, our contributors or you into it a little bit more. And he said, yeah, I think we do. And I said, think about telling um, a, a story around that product, but not only telling the story, but, but showing it and sharing it with your reader, which we're then going to expand into our digital experience, which is going to be some digital edit that might be an expansion of what he started with in the magazine. And then a video expansion where Skip's got some cool setup out in his backyard in Colorado and He's trying to simulate uh, shooting ducks over the decoys, you know, finishing them off close. And that this is why this this load is important and relevant in that situation. And, you know, it, it's something fun where you're shooting watermelons and, and entertaining folks so they can see and feel that experience. You may not be doing it over ducks because we're doing it in July, um, but we can find ways to be entertaining and share the experience and really show people that, you know, Skip's an end user or our contributor's an end user and they're involved and they know what you're going through mentally as you're reading this article or watching this video and and we want to we want to put it in the position or 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 portray it in a way that you would want to go through that test, you know. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So I, I, that's exactly the route I'm going down. Is that that page to page has to be an experience. That means that the flow has to be there. It can't just be. It's like a Shakespearean play in a lot of ways. You know, you have your you have your your plot and you have and it starts to thicken and you have your your rising action and then you have your climax and then you have your falling action. Then you have your resolution. All of that stuff that went into making that reader be captivated. It goes into Broadway. It goes into movies. You can't just be sporadic. And I think that a lot of people read their magazines sporadically where if they would pump the brakes and slow down for a second of seeing what the layout is, go take, go through it, get through the first part of it. Don't rush through it where, you know, it's hard not to, you pick it up and you go through it real quick. One of the first things that people look for is a, is an ad that might pop out to them or what the new gear is. But if you just if you go back through it the second time and you really start to dissect what you as a publisher and what Skip as an editor and all you guys are working hard to, to put out there at the fingertips of these, of these readers and subscribers, then you can start to see, man, this has got good flow. It's an experience. So now it becomes more of a movie. It becomes more of an A&E style show or a crime drama like First 48 or something and, and use it as that. And don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to read every word on every page to get that. But I think that the, the, the worst thing that you can do is to, is to ruin a magazine experience is to rush through it. And it's very easy to rush through a magazine because we've been taught to rush through them. Doctor's office, you got 10 minutes before you get called in. You rush through a magazine. There's all types of certain instances that we've always just rushed through magazines where really there, if you looked at it more of like a novel to where you got to read it, then it's more of a, an experience. You're going to get more out of it. You're going to see what they're trying to do. You're going to catch things the second time that you didn't catch the first time, like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're going to go, wow. And then you got to watch it a third time and you, and you dissect it. So it's not, it's not about thinking about it too much. It's about getting what getting out of it what it was meant to give you. And I and I think that in publication that gets missed a lot because in Playboy, everybody's like, oh, I buy Playboy to read it. And I keep going back to that because it's an iconic brand in magazines. And people be like, oh, I bought it to read it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what you should have done. Like that was really, that was never the conception of it. But if you took the time to do it, there was a lot of good insight in a magazine that always was joked about, you don't read Playboy. Well, a lot you do. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I look at it, I look at a, a magazine as an experience of what will I get out of it of 
to be able to take back and utilize, make me a better hunter, a better conservationist, a, a better, um, you know, just an ambassador or a voice in the space. And everybody, you don't have to have a TV show to be an ambassador or a voice in the space of hunting and conservation. We all are. We all are flying that flag. And that's why I started this by like the ethics of an ad and the ethics of what people try to get away with and, and how you make an animal look within those ads or the words you use. I, I don't know. I'll be really transparent. I don't like when I hear things like death count and and Grim Reaper and the Reaper called. And I'm like, dude, we are not going and slaughtering these animals and <laughs> taking them to hell with us, man. Like, like right, that kind of, right. like that stuff really gets to me. Now, I don't want somebody that has that format, you know, of that being, you know, something that they believe in. I just think that as far as saying something like this is a blood sport and that this is something that we are going to slaughter with or we care about the, you know, th that part of it yeah. just, I look at that and I'm like, that is what's going to give somebody a reason to hate hunters because we're, because we're defacing the, the resource. And that, that's the whole gist of my thing in print ads is like, you just turned me off to the whole magazine, not just your ad. The whole magazine is now, whole magazine. Is, is now, is now responsible for making me feel this way. So it's a response. It's a responsibility of everybody involved to make it a great experience. No, you're, you're spot on. It is. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about that. You're an industry member. So you understand that numbers are declining and everybody's trying to figure it out. And, and um, everybody, you know, it, it's this, you know, it's the economy or it's this, this individual and how they portrayed the sport or it's that. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are, that are probably looked over in, in a lot of situations. And I think one of the biggest factors we fight is just pure numbers. Like, look, the baby boomer generation was the largest generation in our recent history. And, you know, guess what? The next two and three generations probably are not even going to get close to it. And this whole industry boom over the last 15 to 20 years has all been built off the baby boomers. So that's, that's one thing. But if we have a declining uh, potential marketplace in the next two generations, what do we have to do? We have to come together. We have to be cohesive as an advertiser, as a manufacturer, as a, as a media generator, even as you said, as a participant, you know, we all need to be on the same page and, you know, you need to listen just as much as you talk. Um, and, and we've got to do that, you know, and I, I, I would say going back to your comment uh, about it being experienced, what I, what I've been fortunate enough to learn from some of the folks that preceded me and just taking things in from, from great editors, you know, like Skip or, or, um, you know, Gordon Whittington at North American Whitetail that has been there for 36 years now. Um, and what I've taken away is that in any delivery you have, whether it be an issue, um, of a magazine, whether it be, you know, um, an episode of North American Whitetail TV, whether it be, you know, um, a Peterson's hunting, uh, digital article, you, you have to be able to build that storyline and keep it consistent to your point earlier. And what I found is that our audience has a takeaway at that it's a lot easier for them to take away that, Hey, this issue is on canine health. The, this issue of gun dog is on canine health. And we're going to paint a picture from start to finish. We're going to talk about puppies and then we're going to work into two-year-old dogs. And then we're going to work into our, our five, six, seven-year-old dog. And, and we're going to talk not only about training them and keeping them healthy then, but also in the summer, just when they're at your house. And then we get into the, the early season when we're maybe hunting teal and it's warm. And then we're going to get into field hunting in the in the, the latter part of the year where we've got to worry about corn stocks and, and um, you know, you, you walk them through the process and you really give them a reason to sit and focus in. You got to keep it entertaining and you got to keep it informative, but you allow for them to have a takeaway because you're concentrating on building a storyline the whole way through. So I, I appreciate you calling that out. That's a, that's a great point about a publication or any type of media delivery that we have. Yeah, I think that it's important that we're all on the same page and that we're all trying to work towards the end goal of, of everybody being a contributor because the last thing I want to happen happen as a as a 
a hunter is to have mm-hmm. a hunting magazine that doesn't do the culture of the American hunter justice. You know, so I mean, it's all of us are participants in this magazine of like, hey, it's our voice too. We can, we can, you know, we can give our opinion. We can be a part of this. We can be contributing, contributing photographer. We want we, you, you, you know, like you go out and take some pictures and see if you're good enough to make a magazine. Write an article and see if it gets picked up and you get paid to to be a, a, an author and, or a writer in some of these periodicals and publications. So I think it's a responsibility of the whole industry as a whole, the whole culture and this whole community of hunters of saying like. Wildfowl is an iconic brand. Wildfowl is what duck hunters hang their hat on. Wildfowl is the Peterson's hunting or the field and stream or the outdoor life of duck camp. Okay, that's the one that you want to see on the table when you walk into the duck. You don't want to see outdoor life when you walk into the table in duck camp, which outdoor life is a good read and it's a nice classy magazine in, um, for its purpose. But when I walk into what I do, I have to see wildfowl. And if wildfowl doesn't do me justice and wildfowl doesn't turn me on that night, then I'm pissed off at wildfowl. And then I look down at wildfowl and then I don't want to advertise in wildfowl. And then I don't want to read. And then I don't want to tell somebody else to subscribe to it. You know, so it's all, uh, it's all everybody's coming together. You, uh, there's a lot of word of mouth of what you guys are putting out there just by walking into any duck hunters living room or duck camp and you've seen it laying on the table, now it becomes your responsibility to grab that person and keep them and get them more engulfed in this lifestyle. And it's a big responsibility. People look at it as just, ah, it's just some dumb article about shooting bluebills with Skip Knowles, you know? And I'm like, no, that's the culture of this business. If you read that and you take out what Skip's trying to get out to you or what this writer's getting to you, learn something from it. Don't be above it. Take away from it that this magazine is not just being printed for their health. There's actually really good experiences in here that will make you a better voice in this lifestyle and this culture and this privilege of being a hunter. So it's a privilege that we have a magazine to, to grab onto. And it's the responsibility of the wildfowl publisher, the wildfowl edit- editors, the writers that you choose to work with, the photographers that you choose to put on your on your cover. What What's your back cover? How do you end that? How do you end that experience? Like that's your responsibility. You don't just, yeah, that's not just oh, a slap it there kind of deal. You, obviously people pay bigger money to be there, but you, you're strategizing. Well, we would never ask that brand to be on our back cover because it's not going to be a very good last word that we have in the magazine. You know, there's all of those kind of mind. I assume there oh, yeah. is, and I've never worked in, I've never worked in print ads, but I'm thinking about how I would lay out a magazine and I, I want it to be a good voice for the entire culture as a whole. And wildfowl has that responsibility to do so. So y'all need to deliver on a monthly basis, period. For sure. Yep. Yep. No. And there's definitely, there's definitely that thought process that goes into each book. And that's not a thought process just by me as the guy that's managing the ad side or the ad revenue of our business and and how we place um, those advertisers within the book, but it's also the job of the editor and even our art director. Um, And we even have, you know, production coordinators that help us piece this whole thing together as, as you know, you've worked with them on your end, you've worked with Melissa and, and uh, she's the gal that's going to take in your IO and she's the girl that's going to process your, your ad creative and, um, you know, we go through that book, we, we think about methodically where we need to place relative to the theme of that delivery for that issue. Um, the advertisers, we also want to be respectful of the advertiser space. So, you know, we don't want to put jargon uh, right next to another call manufacturer because we feel that's contradictory and probably a little disrespectful of what you guys are investing to do. And, and it could cause, a, uh, you know, a mixed message for um, <clears throat> for the end reader. You know, it's really hard for them to look at one call company and then one right there on the facing page and and go, oh, you know, it, it probably almost creates more of an issue for them mentally in, in accepting either company. So, 
there, there is a lot of strategy that comes into that. It's not rocket science by any means, but we're definitely respectful of it and, and have to be conscious of it and, and make sure that we're making the right decisions as we piece each one of those books together, not only from an editorial standpoint, but from an advertising standpoint. And we have to think about, you know, the, the thought process in regards to adoption of mess marketing messaging of a reader and when they're going to best accept a, a duck call ad from, um, from a manufacturer when, you know, where relative to where that, that uh, call review is going to be within in that issue that, that, uh, that month. So yeah, there, there's a lot of thought that goes into that for sure. For sure. No, I was just going to, I want to go back to a comment that you made earlier, man, uh, about um, us as participants and how we can also contribute to the marketplace. And I'd say, man, that's the big uh, paradigm shift that's taking place right now within not only our industry, but just the the mainstream industry in general or the mainstream audience in general is that, man, never has a participant had easier access to get involved. You know, with the growth of social and digital media, you know, it, it used to be that that our magazines or your TV show was, was really the channel or the path or the connection point to that end user. And that's how they consumed their media. And the only way it was a one-way conversation, really, it just came from the media generator side. But now, man, with the, the growth of social media and, um, you know, not only on a personal level, but the way in which you interact with manufacturers or, or media generators or magazines or TV producers, you have an opportunity to, to even speak to your local, you know, your, your local, uh, what am I trying to say? Ecosystem of friends and, and, and be a good voice for, for um, not only duck hunting or, or goose hunting or waterfowl in general, not only for a delivery, uh, you know, an ambassador, but just as a, as a citizen, man, and you can really pass along a good message. And I think that's, you know, I can tell you as a, as a, well, I should, I would probably say that I would guess that as a media generator on your end, as a producer of a television show, it's definitely made your job a lot harder. Um, and, and you've had but to interact, the, but here's the deal is that it, I, everybody looks at it like, well, there's a lot of content out there, but I still, I know what, I know what our lane is and we stay in our lane. And, and here's my whole deal on it is that because of people like us, because of people like you, because of the constant messaging in the right light, the ethical light, the responsibility right. of presenting this lifestyle in the right way, which you, there's rumors about me out there. And I just look at them and I go. Huh. I'm a cocaine addict. I'm they, they call me a cocaine addict on a forum. I'm like, I've never even seen cocaine in real life. Okay. Well, I was born into all this money. I'm like, huh, my dad was a union plumber. So I inherited all this money. And then I read like, uh, you know, he wears a flat bill hat and he talks too fast. And I'm like, okay, well that's me. You know, and that's, that's who I am. But you know what? Right. I stuck to the guns of the, of, of, of making sure the animal was put first and never putting that part of it out there. Now you don't have to like me, but you can't talk shit about the way that I hunt. I don't have to like Michael Waddell, but I can't go, Oh yeah, that dude is a prima donna. That dude is as good as they get. So yeah. because of those voices, because of that, it's it, it, it's either inspired people to get into it and create their own online stuff, their own YouTube stuff, their own IGTV stuff, their own Facebook show, their own mm -hmm. this show, and their own that show. And that's awesome. So if that's the case and we're all in together, just do it right. Don't cut corners. Right. When you put a print right. ad out there, when you put a print out there, do it right. If you put a TV show out there, do right. And here's why I'm saying that is because right now in America, don't mark my words, but kind of mark my words because you can never be right on this. I can never go mark my words. This evolution is going to happen. Hunting is going to be the coolest freaking thing in the world starting right now. And the reason I say that is because we have the ability to get into people's lives and see that what hunting and being a provider and living off the land means people are now seeing at this time in American history. Wow. 
These people really are living off the land. They have freezers right. full of food. They're they're right. cooking wild game. They're showing me how to make a freaking alligator tail meat taste good. Well, you shouldn't kill alligators. Oh, really? We shouldn't kill gators? There's they're in abundance because of conservation <laughs> efforts. There's right. too many of them. Oh, well. You shouldn't kill turkeys, really, because of the NWTF. There's turkeys everywhere to where if we right. take our daily limit in these different states by supporting hunting licenses and conservation efforts and conservation groups and sweat equity and elbow grease and money that hunters put into it, we can go out and do it. So now we have had the ability to show we are tired of the numbers falling off. We're tired of hearing there's not that right. many duck hunters out there. I'm tired of hearing it. Now we're going right. to be able to say, you know what? This is the lifestyle to be in. I've been saying it for years. There's no cooler lifestyle in the world. There's no better place yeah. to be in the world than hunting camp. You could go to the Eiffel Tower or you could go to the Coliseum in Rome and you will be tired of looking at it within five minutes. Hunting camp right. is impossible to get tired of. Impossible. A golf course, you hit enough shitty shots on 18 holes, you're not going to want to go back there for a while. So no. hun hunting camp, I could have nine bad days in a row and I still can't wait to get to the fire. That is the coolest lifestyle in the world. So that's what I'm trying to tell people, Layden, is like... Now is our time. Let's come together. Don't talk shit about me. Don't don't judge me because I don't dress like you. Don't say that I don't know how to duck hunt because I'm not from Arkansas. Don't pass judgment on people. This is not about a trophy. This is not about a raw, raw championship. This is about a lifestyle that the experience of wildfowl, when we walk into a hunting camp, and our magazine is on that table, whether you're a deer hunter, which deer hunters are dorks, you're a deer hunter, you guys are weird. You guys, you guys, you guys have got weird tendencies, weird, weird people. Fair, fair but enough, I love them, but enough. I love them. You might be a turkey hunter, you might be a hog hunter. When you walk into camp, if Brian Kawaka walks into camp and he sees guns and ammo out there, as crazy as that dude is, he's in he's Cypress Hill and saying in the membrane, I love him to death. But that's his Bible. And I don't mean to throw around the word Bible lightly because the Bible is the, is the most read book in the world and it's a very important thing to a lot of people. These right. are our Bibles. When I see wildfowl on a table, it better do to me what I expect it to do. Right. And when I watch that TV show and when I see your Instagram post, don't disrespect the animal. Don't not respect the resource. Don't throw those dead animals through the air and let them hit the ground. They just went through hell. They just got hit with right. the hardest impact that anybody could ever imagine. Respect them. It's our responsibility right now to take this game to the next level. And hunting is going to go to the next level now because we have done a great job as a community of saying, guys, not only do we ethically harvest these animals, now we're showing that we're cooking them the right way. We have all these cooking companies behind us right now. Look at what Traeger's doing in the space. They mm -hmm. are not apologizing for putting hunting stuff on their apps and on their website. If you kill a deer, here's how you cook those steaks. Look at Joe Rogan, the biggest voice right. in podcasting. If you want to have a great life, get a bow and arrow and go shoot an elk and cook it for your family. This yep. is the time that we can get this out there because of all these platforms, because of Joe Rogan, because of the voices out there that will not be afraid to say we hunt the country music artists that are out there mm -hmm. saying the Dustin Lynch's and the guys that are out there saying this is cool this is the time that we are going to be able to go you know what either get in or freaking shut up because now we're rolling now right. the American right. hunter is rolling now and it's it's the responsibility of wildfowl and you and skip which I love skippy all of <laughs> all of this all of this has been a conglomerate effort to now we're here we are able to say you know what here's some wild game for the first responders right. here's some wild game for the homeless shelters here's some wild game for my neighbor that can't get anything at the store but he's been talking shit about hunters for 15 years but now you want to you want to learn how I'm not going to be 
ignorant. I'm not going to go, no, man. I'm going to say, come on, get in here. Learn, take a bite. And then, right. he's gonna, and then the next question that comes out of his mouth is going to be what? How did, where did, how did you get into this? How when and where? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where? And that yeah. it's our time to shine right now. So if we yeah. all work together, all of our internet shows, all of our Facebook posts, all of our Instagram messaging, all of the things that we're doing, if we do it right, then we come together and Bella checks up there and we're getting our game plan together and we're going, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. That's Wildfowl's responsibility. You guys sure. have a platform to say, Belding, we need you here. Waddell, we need you here. Mitch Petrie, we need you here. Whatever right. it is. It's our time to shine. So why not do it together? It's not about right. who wins. You're not, in, if, if another duck call company goes and has an ad right behind a jargon ad, I don't care. We're going to, we have our customer base. You have yours. There's enough to go around. If you're going to build a brand, build it and let's do it together and do it right. For sure. For sure. Well, and you're a big part of that. And I appreciate that. And then I think again, man, you're what's, what's really neat. You've been in the industry, uh, for a while. Um, I was fortunate enough. I got to come in at about the age of 19. So I've kind of watched the last 15 years, how the curve has happened. And, and I'm very thankful for that opportunity, but I think you see, you know, as an industry, you see us coming off of, um, and you know, not, I'm not speaking towards anybody or, or at anybody. When I say this, it, I think that it was pretty much, there was a lot of pride involved. Not everybody was that way, but I think what was extracted from mainstream media or maybe just the folks, the naysayers of the hunting industry was that, Oh, they're all prideful folks. They're not worried about the animals. They're worried about themselves. They want to be the next Michael Waddell. Or they want to be the next TV star, or the next big writer. And, and uh, I think that you see us as an industry coming together and saying, Hey, we didn't like that projection of ourselves. That wasn't us. And in the majority, we're not those people. We're ethical people. We're, we're respectful. We're friends. We're family. We really enjoy hunting camp. We want everybody to come in and enjoy it with us. And we've got some momentum now uh, because of what's going on around us. And because of, of all the false uh, uh, pictures that were painted or light that has been shed, we've got an opportunity now for people to understand our lifestyle and understand a bigger part of why we hunt. Uh, organic food that we control the, you know, we control the, the supply of, that we're respectful of, that we can feed our families on, that we've been feeding our families on for generations. I grew up on venison and duck and turkey and goose even, um, which a lot of people will turn their nose up at goose, but I love goose, man. You can't, oh, it's so there's, good. <laughs> there's good goose Spe out there. Speckle belly goose is the best red meat you can eat. Oh, is that a, is that an opinionated statement? I will take it over Wagyu beef. <laughs> Wagyu beef, I will take a speckle belly over. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take I, it over it, deer backstrap. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying that yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Wild game is where right. it's at. Right. And there, there's so many good ways. And I, I'm not the cook that, that you are, or that I'm not a very good are. cook. I'm not a very good well, cook. That's called, I, I, you know what that's called? That's called the power of editing. And my point in the, the power <laughs> of editing is that if you're going to have a format of, of to show what you do, then realize that a coyote does not deserve to be disrespected. So if you're right. a coyote hunter and you believe in predator management, don't show him in the snare. Don't show him suffering. Don't show right. you whacking him nine times. That's dumb. And we do that on these right. forums. You can go on Facebook and you can find a oh, hunter, yeah. a hunter disrespecting a coyote. Don't have your deer strapped to the hood of your truck. Don't throw those ducks in the air when they're dead and let them hit the ground. I'm not saying that I've never done it, but I'm not going right. to glamorize it. I'm not right. going to be, I'm not going to make a mistake and then put it out there for somebody to go, oh yeah, hunters are great people. They just let that, that wild dog lay there with, with, with his foot in a trap and just let's, let's show him it's there. Now we all understand it happens as hunters, right? Right. Hunt, trapping happens, but that doesn't mean that you have to show every intricate part of it. It's not right. a rea It's not the reality of it is, is that we are taking that life. 
and we are mm-hmm. controlling those mm-hmm. predators, right? So let's right. let's do it right. Let, it's our right. time. Like you said, we got a lot of momentum right now. Let's not kill that. Let's not put a roadblock in that by going into a magazine and seeing a word in an ad that you're like, really, you're the grim reaper of ducks. Like you're right. you're gonna dress in this cloak and be this guy that just goes in there and rips their heads off. Like it makes no sense to me. It makes right. no sense to to deathize it that much, man. They're deathize it that right. much to where that's not a word. I just made that up. Death. Uh, it works for me. I'm from Missouri. We make all kinds of words. You know what I'm so saying, it, though? It's like, and I'm not <laughs> saying that Grim Reaper broadheads yeah. aren't awesome, but when I see that, I go, oh, man, that's like, we're not going to a dark place here. I like archery hunter hunting is not about being in the grips of hell and we're the Lucifer's chasing us and, and we're killing these deer that, you know, it's like. I'm, it's a nice sunny day. I'm up in a tree stand. I got my iPhone. I got my deer piss all over me. And I got my, yeah, I just took my clothes out of this oxygenated bag. And I, you guys do all yep. this crazy stuff. Like that's joyous. Like let's show the joy and the fun behind it. Grim right. Reaper. I'm not, I'm not going out there to reap these things and freaking take them to, it's just a weird right. concept. Dude. And again, it, if Grim Reaper is. hears that, I don't want them to be like, don't, I'm not talking shit about the brand. They're a great product. I just Understood. don't understand. I don't understand the stance in, in some of the names we have out there. Right. Right. Well, and I just, I think of some of it's marketing, right? And I think that for some people, it's, it's just figuring it out. And I think that it's really easy for you or, you or I to look at that and go, yeah, I mean, we're in, we're enthusiasts. We understand it. We've lived it. And we understand that that meat, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's appreciated. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just, you know, somebody trying to stand out in, in the marketplace in a different way. And that's, that's their messaging and that's how they've come at it. But I think you're, you're more right about the fact that we have to be conscious of that. We have to understand. We have to be respectful of the the, the animals and, and the whole process, man. There's so much about hunting um, that does not get told. And it's the fellowship in the duck blind. It's the fellowship in the pill line. I, that, was, that is still today one of my most favorite things about duck hunting. Let's, let's the, make sure you describe pill because I don't want people to come on here and no, say that you're no. a pill addict now. He's not no. popping pills. He's talking about a public draw area a and he's getting a number. Area. He's getting a number, right? right? Go right. ahead, Liam. Yep. So, no, you're exactly right. And, and I, I, you know, I'm used to speaking to my, my, my peers. See, you're talking, I, you're not talking to, like, you're speaking jargon right there, dude. That's I, jargon. I am. I am. Yep. See, I jargon, that so. pill to a duck hunter is different than one to a pill head, right? It's different. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So it's a, a public draw line that, um, you know, you get up and here in our area, it, it might be Fountain Grove or it might be Eagle Bluffs down on the Missouri River in, in Columbia, but you're up at two o'clock in the morning, you land at three, the earlier you're there, the, the closer you are to the, the public draw line. And, you know, sometimes they're limited, sometimes they're not, but you go and pull what they call a pill, which is usually just a, a wooden ball or a dice or some type of a, a numbered piece. And that decides uh, which pool or, or your place in the line that you get to choose which pool on that public uh, draw line to, to go hunt. And man, it is, as a boy, I was, I was drug into that, you know, at the age of six by my dad and, and uncle. And um, we'd go in and, and, you know, you're there, you're watching all these guys drink coffee and they're talking about, you know, when I was here hunting the greenheads five years ago or 20 years ago or last week, you know, and, and the coffee, you're drinking it out of a little six ounce styrofoam cup. And, and uh, it's just, everybody's there in their waders and their camo. They don't care what they look like or what they smell like. They're just there to talk and draw a pill, man. And, and then once everybody draws their pills and they, they hit the water, it's mayhem, you know, and it's just, it's great. Before, it's a, it's, yeah. I, I'm with you, man. It's like, I see the enthusiasm on your face and let, <laughs> let it be known that Missouri public area called grand pass. That is a draw system. Um, is what shaped helped shape my love for duck hunting. We drew 21 awesome. on the, we drew 21 on the first day, 21 to 31. It was one of the last pills and not, there's a lot more people in line that are going to get to hunt. Oh yeah. And that's, what's yep. cool about it. So we draw, we draw it, we pull, we go to pull six and it was one of the last choices we had. We go there, right. 
migrator day and we 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 don't we don't see a duck we have one hour left you had to be done shooting at noon i think noon or one and we don't see a duck except one hen gadwall and and you know there's that little (laughs) private airport around around grand pass and all of a sudden all of a sudden we heard a jet and i'm like oh planes coming in it's just like and i look up and i'm like dude look at this and it's i this i'm like a rookie in duck hunting i'm like 27 years old i'm just starting my duck hunting career and i'm like dude, those are ducks. And it was migrating mallards coming down oh. on a bluebird sky, north, north, northwest or northeast wind. And we yep. shot our ducks. It's a four bird limit in Missouri, I think, on mallards. We, mallards shot our, we shot our ducks in 20 minutes. Went back the next morning. We drew pill number four or five. Went back to that same pill. Nobody, nobody knew what we were doing. Like They're like, why are you right. going to that pill? Nobody kills right. it. <laughs> Migration was still on. Same thing. <laughs> And I'm talking, and then the third day we drew pill six. So three days in a row, we got in the draw at Grand Pass and I was hooked. I was with my buddy, Chad Thomas. He worked for us tobacco. We were back there visiting another Copenhagen salesman and he was from Missouri. He was from Kansas city and he took us to Grand Pass and I fell in love with it. And I'm like, dude, that was migrator though. And when people understand what a migrator day is and they get in on one, it's better than any roller coaster or parachuting or jumping out of an airplane you'll ever do, dude. And Grand now, Pass, you know, t- Grand Pass helped shape what the foul life would later on become. That, that's a that's a cool story, man. That is a really cool story. And, and there you go. I mean, look, twenty seven years old, you're just getting into duck hunting, and it was because you went to visit a client, you know. And and that's the opportunity that we have sitting out there waiting as media content generators or um, <clears throat> media content generators. Right now, we have that opportunity, so we get the opportunity to influence. And you know, I know that everybody on my staff is is excited and, and feels very fortunate to be a part of that staff, to be a part of, of that motivation and that opportunity. And, you know, we talk a lot because of the, you know, the negative vibes that come down through the industry and, hey, our numbers are declining or, hey, sales are off or whatever it might be. You know, I tell, tell my folks every week, hey, you're having a hard day. Remember what got you here. It's your passion. You know, yeah. that's why we're here. That's what we're doing, what we're you doing. You have to and have it. And you've got to think about it. And that passion has to bleed through when you're typing out an article or when you hop on and do a 30 second Instagram video, you know, let it bleed through. You're the motivator. You're the influencer, you know, the real influencer. That's you. you and, and on top of influence, the, the word that I use now is we are the mentors. You have the ability to I mean, mentor yeah. somebody right there. You know how right. many, you know how many people right. we take for granted that you, you, you said you grew up and walked into grandpa's house and had, had outdoor life or Peterson's hunting land there. Yep. 99% yep. of our population doesn't have that. And, nope. and, and they, and if they're, if they get a chance to be mentored, it's our responsibility to take that mentorship to the next level. And we should right. all make a, a valid, a valid choice, a, an ethical choice of introducing somebody new to the outdoors every year or being a part of a youth hunt or a college hunt. A lot of the things that we get mm-hmm. to participate in, we're asked to participate in. If you're a hunter, get somebody new out there and introduce them to it. Bring them over for a right. wild, bring them over for a wild game meal and have them guess what kind of meat right. they're eating. Is that right. chicken? No, that's mountain lion. What? Yeah, that's mountain <laughs> lion. Okay. And then they're going to be yeah. like, you killed a mountain lion. How? And then I'm going to show them some video and I'm going to go, this is what we do. Now watch <clears throat> these dogs are genius. These dogs just ran 17 miles and they went from tree and you can educate them and mentor them in it. And if they, then, right. and then if, if they say no, at least they know why they're saying no. If they say right. yes, you did your job. Right. You did your right. job either way, right. but be as welcome. a men- as a mentor with what we're talking about with this magazine, and I made a statement about it being the Bible, and I don't take the Bible lightly, and I don't want people in, in the Bible Belt where ninety percent of the readership of Wildfowl is. I respect it, but when you walk into Duck Camp and you see the August edition of Wildfowl, we're going into the August edition, which is right. the Duck Hunter Goose Hunter Bible. Period. 
That is going to mentor. That is going to instruct. That is going to inspire. That is going to intrigue. That is going to promote. That is going to showcase all of these products. And you better do it the right way to make sure that that person reading that magazine is like, man, that's a really good validation. That's a really good dictation of a boat motor. Wow, that blind, that really painted a good picture of why I would use that blind. That duck call has a high end and a low end. Well, what does that mean? And then it gets them curious and they're going to be like, I got to hear that. Now they're going to go seek it on your website. They're going to be like, hey, Layden, you got any audio files of that jargon duck call? Well, it's funny you mention that because now we're taking our our game to the next level by having an interactive site to where here, go see Chad and Chris or John Stevens and Jimbo blowing a short barrel or a daisy cutter at Rich and Tone, whatever it is. Yes, right. we got it. You got their mind on that. That's the Bible they're going through it page by page. Oh my God, my August yep. edition's here. It's almost like right. as a duck hunter, you get the Max Prairie Wings catalog, right? The final right. flight catalog. You're going, right. oh gosh, you know, that's the Bible of retail and, and duck hunting. Right. That's like growing yep. up, you'd see a Cabela's and you'd be like, is there really a such is there really a place called Cabela's? Like it was like, right. this, it was like <laughs> this it mystery. Was just this. It was just this <laughs> yeah. mystery for years, right? right? And then you'd be on I 80 right. in Nebraska. I tell the story, you'd be on I 80 and you're like, Oh my God, look at the bronze elk. Oh, and you just lose your shit. You look like Chevy Chase yep. racing in Wally World at the end of vacation. And you're like, this is life. This is really yep. real. It was, it's not just a magazine. I mean, this was the way before online hunting or online right. shopping. And now yep. it's, uh, it's like, it's like, oh my God, it's real. You know, kind of deal. Yep. Max Prey oh, Wings, yeah. same thing. Max Prey Wings. This magazine, and you get to Stuttgart and you lose your mind, dude. You will, you'll right. literally like lose your mind when you see that place. You'll, right. no, I, I've been there. 150 times probably since 2000 the same feeling goes over my body every time i see it i'm just like oh my god marion's in there chuck's in there adams all these people are all these brands are in there all these ducks are hanging from the ceiling you could smell the barbecue you could smell the fried the fried fish going on it's like oh my gosh it's like this is this is duck hunting this is the culture and those magazines do that to us man and that is the difference of like is is opening up wildfowl is a responsibility of yours to make me feel like that and if i don't then you're not doing your job and you guys do your job because it's become the Bible of the duck hunter. And that's what, that's a cool freaking thing. And it's a big responsibility to have. You can't let that go. No, we won't. And uh, you know, it's, it's, we appreciate the challenge and, you know, I I know, like I said, I spoke earlier, each one of our staff members really um, feels that it's a privilege to be here. And and you can see that. And I, I think you can see that in Skip's writing. You can see that, you know, if you ever watch Skip on, on TV, when he used to have a show, you could see that in, in him on TV. And, you know, you can see that right through to, um, like I said, our production coordinators earlier, they want to be a part of it. It's, you know, it's something that they believe in and that they put hard work and effort into and that they want people to enjoy on the back end of it. And, you know, it's a big responsibility for us, but it's what keeps us moving. It's what keeps us driving. You know, we've been, a, we've been a magazine for over 30 years now, um, going on 40 and, uh, we hope it's another 30, but, uh, you know, going on 40 years, um, you know, down the road and that my grandkids are reading about it and say, Hey, my grandpa was a part of that one day. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's something that we, we feel very lucky to be a part of. And, and, you know, I would tell you also, Chad, that that's one of our biggest challenges right now. And we spoke to this just a little bit earlier when we were talking about, you know, being perceived as a brand and not a publication anymore. The publication is the flagship or the pillar of what we do. But there are so many people that we have to learn to communicate with um, on, on in different mediums because people consume their media differently. That, that's just the way it is. We're in the media business and not everybody's going to pick up a magazine. But our hope is that we share that experience not only through our, our magazine, um, but into the troughs of our social media, into the troughs of, of our digital editorial, and that the folks that may not know what Wildfowl the magazine is, find out about Wildfowl the magazine, and more importantly, Wildfowl the lifestyle. 
Um, it's a lifestyle 100%. for us. And that's what, that's why, that's why I, I, I want to be able to buy merch. You guys, you guys should right. have a whole selection of hooded sweatshirts. We should be able to have wildfowl across our chest. Oh, you read wildfowl? Yeah. I'm a duck hunter. What do you think I yeah. read? Oh, right. you got a koozie around your bush light? Yeah. I'm a duck hunter. It's wildfowl. And that's right. a brand. That's I, I want it out right. there. I want, I want like that hat you're wearing. What's that hat? That's, it's an NAW hat. It's backwards because of the screen. North but American whitetail. Whitetail. Yeah. It's I'm going to give you my so. address. I'd like to have one of those and I'm not I'll a deer hunter, you, but man. I like that hat. I appreciate that. I, I, send it I, to I like you. that lid. So, yeah. um, but yeah, like North American whitetail, does wildfowl have them? Um, we're working on it right now. It'll be the first time we've See, had deer hunters in about four everything. or five years. Deer hunters are just so <laughs> special. We did. All, <laughs> the only reason we did it was we had to shoot studio for the TV I know, show. Dude, this I know. But, I no, know. but we're I, working on it. Yeah, Skip, uh, Skip's happy about it. Skip's uh, overjoyed. He saw that I had this hat and he's like, wait, when are we getting one for a while? And I said, it's in the budget, man. He's like, that's the first time in four years. And I said, I know, but we've got to live the lifestyle people. We have to brand ourselves. We want people to live our brand. We have to brand ourselves. 100%. And we have to let them the know. only time you see it is when you get those little cards that fall out and you find one on the floor. Right. Oh shit. There's right. a subscription deal, which a dime a dozen. And then you see the right. magazine. I, I right. mean, it's, it's a brand and it's a, it's the Bible of the duck hunter. So let's roll. Right. It's like, right. let's get yeah. it out there. I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for calling it the Bible of the duck hunter. Is that sacrilegious? Cause no. I'm not trying to be. No, it's not sacrilegious. I mean, we get it, you know, we get it. And, it, and if you want to be politically correct about it, you could call it the owner's manual of our lifestyle, you know, or, or something along that's those way lines. Too tongue-tied. That's way too tongue tied. That's what, See, <laughs> that's what a deer hunter would call. They would yeah. get all technical on me. I'm a duck hunter, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I get. I, I got to get you into duck hunting, dude. Are you, <laughs> I, hey, I'm a duck hunter, buddy. Actually, I'll tell you what. I cut my teeth behind my grandpa's Brittany, and and we had a GSP. We had a German short hair pointer um, when I was five. Her name was Ellie. Um, I grew up with her. She uh, lived a long life, man, uh, all the way into my sophomore year of college. Um, I found out after football practice one day that she had passed away. But um, I spent a lot of time with her in a duck blind. And I spent a lot of time behind her uh, chasing quail and, and pheasant in northern Missouri when we had them. They're coming back now. Um, but when the, you know, it, you know the story, but when the corn prices went up, so did our hedgerows, they disappeared, you know? Yep. And so, um, we lost a lot of habitat and cover that supported those, those, uh, species, but, but man, um, I got away in the last three years. My best duck hunting partner was uh, my father-in-law over the last 10 years. And he passed away three and a half years ago. And, um, I've got three little boys. Um, so that was grandpa to them and we're, we're getting back there. We've got a couple duck leases, just or they're not leases, but they're actual, uh, duck farms that we have here. I'll say, I'll say waterfowl farms. We've got How WRP the boys? on them. Eight, six, and two. Eight, oh, six, and two. Perfect. So they're get them going. perfect. Send me, send me the address. I want to send them all a duck call too. Man, we'd appreciate that. They would yeah, love it. They make would sure get you send me your address. That'll be cool. I, I will, man. I'll try to get I got hat, hats for calls. That's easy. I want to make sure that I get to them before you get to them with that deer hunting shit. I want them to be deer hunters. <laughs> They're going to be, they'll, they'll be waterfowl hunters too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a general sportsman. We hey, what, I want to do this again. Oh, oh sorry. dude. No, I love, I, I, I'm just, a, I'm thankful for the quarantine for the slowdown in a way. It taught me a lot. I'm, I'm unthankful for the turkey hunts that I had to cancel, but on the big picture, everything happens for a reason. And those turkeys weren't meant for me to kill this year. You know, Waddell That's and right. Tyler Jordan and all these guys are do they're, they're fine. The turkeys are still dying. I didn't get to do it, but you know, it's one of those things when you miss it and you get it taken away from you, like I did, I'm like, man, so thankful that we have it. And it, it's really, oh, it's really taught me. It's re there's been a few things that have happened since February that have really taught me that, that my, you know, my joyous part of the industry is coming back because sometimes it gets over, it gets burnt, it gets, you know, 
I don't want to say that I take it for granted, but sometimes it got to me to where, man, it's just like coming at me so fast and every day. And now I'm just, I found my love like big time. I'm more motivated. I'm more geared. I'm more focused to, to really share that, share it and spread the love and, and try to do things even better than what we have been. And I feel that our production quality and a lot of the things that we do is awesome. I would never mm-hmm. like sit here and go, Oh, we got more, we're a good voice in this place and we want to get better and we want to work with people. That's why when I sit down with somebody, I keep saying Waddell, dude, Waddell is genius, man. When you hear Michael (laughs) talk that dude, I, 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 I take, you know, I, I tease him about being a deer hunter, but that dude, like that show he did a couple weeks ago on the network about the tornado in Alabama. If you could, if you can watch that and not cry, you're not a human being. If you're You're an anti hunter and can, can watch that and say that hunters are pieces of shit, then you are not a good person because that just shows you right there of how therapeutic this lifestyle is. And I, we, right. we had a, me and Waddell and I podcast the other day about it. And it's, he's just a good, there's so many good voices in this space. We all need to be tied together, man. We're right. not competitors. He's not a competitor of mine. I nah. love bone collector. I want to be part of the brotherhood. I want, right. I'm, I'm proud to be part of the brotherhood. I, he's part right. of the duck brotherhood. But yeah. I, I think that that's what, that's what our deal is. And let's do this again in August. Okay. With the gear issue, let's sit down with the gear issue and go through it and just talk about like, hey, here's what we did here. This is a cool deal. Sure. Here's a really cool thing that you can find. Here's our boat section. We worked on bit different photography and let's go through it and and, and kind of give the the listener kind of an interactive voice and in what we're what we're seeing in gear, what we're fired up with for the new season, what Wildfowl did and and it's 175 pages. It's thicker than heck. It's the best magazine of the year. We're fired up about it as duck and goose hunters and waterfowlers and and and. And, and I think that we go through it, not page by page, but we, we, we give them a little bit of that experience. You know, nobody's going to sit here and listen to a five hour podcast. It's a long magazine, right. but maybe we break it up into a five part series and we do it in the calls and the guns and the ammo and the ducks, the decoys. Maybe it's, maybe it's a 10 part series and we do a, we do a, the foul life, um, wild foul gear issue podcast series and we give these guys i say we do it and we give a gear yeah. review and we go through it and say yeah man i've used that motor yeah man i've ran that i've ran that duck blind yeah man i've ran that call and, and have some sample stories maybe skip can come on here and do his yeah. and you probably won't be able to see him because he's always in a dark room he's he's kind of that <laughs> weird kind of guy <laughs> but but he's we in- if he's in a dark room or he's in the woods one of yeah, the two we can bring in some, we can bring in some different personalities on different days and be like yeah. hey this this manufacturer's joining us today we got terry demon from mojo here today hey we got chris right. cifrio from jargon we got george thompson from benelli we got da 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 we got tyler jordan from realtree and we'll talk about the wildfowl gear issue and bring we'd these people that. like why it's such a strong brand we'd love that i'd love to partner with you on it and that's kind of thing that we're looking we've got it like you said we've got to come together man that's all there is to it and i really have appreciated what you're doing not only with the foul life but this life ain't for everybody as well and i think that you're giving your listeners a reason to come together and i've you know i, I waddell is the reason i'm a deer hunter today no he's the reason I i'm a, say, he's, he's the reason why i'm in the game dude i tell him that all I'm, the time i'm telling you he he is and i loved your podcast with him man on on this life ain't for everybody because that was a guy that he, I felt like he turned what outdoor media content generation was like he evolved it to the next level when he came on the scene with road trips. And to hear you guys talk about that, I relived my childhood as a hunter, you know, and I I watched him because he was real, you know, he was that guy that was real with his delivery and he shared his passion. He wasn't afraid of it, you know, and that I, I have so much respect and admiration for Michael in, in that fashion. And then just the fact that, you know, you guys, you, you had a personal conversation and I think that that said a lot about us as an industry um, as, as a lifestyle, as hunters, man, we can sit and have those conversations and we can, you know, we can hold each other accountable and, and pat each other on the back at the same time and say, so you've made a mistake. Who hasn't, 
you know, who hasn't? And wait till, we're here. Wait, wait till you hear the new one, dude. We both cry. On uh, it. We we uh, both get we both get emotional on how this industry and this lifestyle affects us. And he got emotional. And and that's, that's awesome. and that's how real Michael is. And anybody yep. that ever had anything bad to say about him, I, if I was a good fighter, I'd lay him out. I'm just not a good fighter. So I would just tell <laughs> I would just say, hey, stop saying that. Stop yeah, saying yep. that. But just yep. don't don't down people, man. Don't nah, man. don't don't trivialize not- don't trivialize this passion and this lifestyle because nah. you think that you're a better hunter. If he's on TV and he's making a living doing it, just and you want to be doing that. Get a mentorship, work harder, get a business right. degree, build a network, become a good right. communicator. Well, I can blow a duck call better than anybody. Uh, no, you can't, first of all. And second of all, nobody cares. Don't right. don't get on the ego trip about how many ducks you kill or how many deer right. inches you got. It's cool. But let's support each other. And that's why right. I tease deer hunters, man. I dude, the, what you guys do is awesome. <laughs> I know what, I know how hard deer hunting is. I've I've fallen, I've almost fallen out of tree stands. Luckily, I was strapped in because when they walk out, I get so freaking nervous. And if it didn't do that to me, I would never do it. It, right right when, right, when, it, right when mallards are landing on my head i'm like my gosh i can't i can't hold still right that's it just does it for me so <laughs> right. i appreciate the time let's let's talk off record of uh offline about getting that series going and uh right, when you it. when you get a sample of some of that wildfowl um apparel get it over to me so i can you, you'll uh, be one of the out. first yeah you're the man brother the let's uh hey, let's I appreciate talk, it if do you have anything else today that you wanted to touch on that you had written down i didn't know if you had anything i don't want to cut you off if you did no no, you're fine, man. I, I just would say thank you to you, what you're doing for us. Um, you know, at Wildfowl, we're, we're thankful for your partnership. And, and I like that you see our vision and where we're going with Wildfowl. Um, it's a great brand and in no way do we speak down a, about what it, or how it was formed and what it has been. We just want to evolve on what so many people laid out before us. And, yep. and man, we're, we're headed that way. And to have partners like you that embrace the idea and understand it and that are doing it themselves. Man, it's it's awesome. It is great. Well, so let's do it together, man. Tell, tell Skip and everybody I said hello. And then uh, we'll do We'll, we'll, we'll push this out there and then we'll, we'll get that gear. Well, I think we do like a five, 10 part series of a gear. I think it'd be cool. Kind of yeah, cool. Let's do it. We'll let's get, do it. We'll get different, manu- it anyway, so we'll get different it. manufacturers in here and uh, we'll get it out on our platforms. That sounds cool. great, man. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Layden. That's Layden Force, Wildfowl Magazine, Gundog, Intermedia. Check them out. Check out the Outdoor Sportsman's Group. Check out the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman's Channel. Get involved. My Outdoor TV. Let's live this passion. Let's be good ambassadors, good voices. Let's work together. It's the brotherhood. Michael Waddell, you're a huge inspiration. I'll always say that. Nobody can take that away from you, my brother. Uh, Layden Force feels the same way. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. There's brand new episodes of the Foul Life airing right now, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel in Season 12 starts july 1st get ready for another season of wild rides jump in the truck let's go duck hunt appreciate everybody's support tom hit that button this is 2 a.m logic the song is called my foul life thank you all very much